Hello, and welcome to the Canto Bite Dispatch. I'm Emily Lind, and with me, as always, my co-host, Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing tonight? Good, thanks. Just relaxing on this uh, Monday night. I only have two more weeks of uh, summer vacation, then I go back to school. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, a little nerve-wracking because uh, I'm a transfer student and I'm transferring to San Diego State. So I'm really nervous, you know, starting up school, especially a school that large. I just went to orientation on Friday and that was almost overwhelming because, of course, all the people there. But, you know, having to sign up for classes and everything and I don't know what classes are going to be like and I get nervous easily, but eh, it should be fun. <laughs> I think I think once it gets started, it'll be great. It's just I think anything new, especially things like school, it's a bit hard. Yeah. But yeah, how's everything with you? I am good. I had a I mean I had a boring day at work, but I did get my Forces of Destiny Hoff Leia with a little R2 D2 set. Aw. That's cute. I know. I saw your posts and pictures on uh Facebook and Twitter and it looked really cute. Those dolls, I'm surprised on how cute and everything they are. I know they're really great. Like they have really well done costumes. The hair is really cool. I love that they're like basically Barbie dolls with weapons. <laughs> Every girl's dream. Because like Ray, yeah, I mean Ray of course has a lightsaber, but also Jin has her little like baton thing, and um, Leia has a blaster. And the Hoth Leia is really cool because if you. If you squeeze her legs, then the arm holding the bat blaster, like, swings up. So she's, like, aiming it. And it's ridiculous, but oh, amazing. Man, that sounds fun. I can't remember the last time I had an action figure that did that. What a ride, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. I see everybody, like, on Facebook posting about how they're they're buying these for for their kids. And I was like, I'm, I'm buying them for me. Um, I'm 33 years old. <laughs> You're like a kid at heart. There's nothing wrong with that. Get all the dolls you want. <laughs> I have a lot of them. It's becoming an issue. I don't have room for them anymore. Like, Hothlea is staying in my office, partially because I just want to have her there, but partially because I realized I have no more room. <laughs> In my apartment, like there's just shit everywhere, and it's time to it's time to do some some paring down of the collection. But it's hard to get rid of things. I feel you. I'm always like that with like clothes and shit. Like my closet, I'm not able to fit anything in there anymore, and my room is always just a mess because I just have shit lying down everywhere. And laundry day is always a struggle because I have so much shit. <laughs> so yeah. Great times. Yeah, I'm like the same. I'm the same with with movies. Like I, I go through my movies and I'm like, oh, I haven't watched this in in you know, ten, fifteen years. I should probably get rid of it. But then there's this thing in the back of my head going, well, what if you want to watch it one day? You might want to watch it. <laughs> and I mean, I have Amazon Prime. I have Netflix. I have access to the internet. I could easily find any of these movies again. If at some point in the future I want to rewatch them, but I still I can't get rid of them. 
That's hilarious. You know, that always like, am I going to, that's like me with clothes. Like, am I going to wear this again? Like, when's the next opportunity? You know, I love that, you know, little comparison we have, like you with movies and me with clothes, you know, California girl. <laughs> love it. <laughs> but I can't, I mean, what would I get rid of? I can't get rid of any of my Mendo stuff. I can't get rid of my Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah. I don't want to get rid of my Doctor Who stuff. I don't want to get rid of anything. I just need a bigger apartment. So I need to win the lottery. That's that's my solution. Win the lottery. Maybe when you win the lottery, you can win Mendo. Like, you can, like, purchase. Is he a prize? <laughs> He's He would be a good trophy wife. Oh, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> before I, I let, my wander, wind, let my mind wander too far down that path, we've had quite a bit of Star Wars news this week after... A pretty long drought. Yes, we have. We had all of those Entertainment Weekly articles that Anthony Bresnikan wrote the past... God, that started on the 9th, right? August 9th, and they've gone through uh, Friday the 11th. And there's eight parts, I believe, all about, you know, different characters, different creatures, about the story. Ryan Johnson chimes in a little bit. So does Mark, because Mark always chimes in, because we all love Mark Hamill, that is. But, yeah, they've all been pretty interesting. What did you think about these articles? Um, I liked them. I'm sort of, I'm at the edge of where I need to stop reading things. Yeah. I know it's almost becoming to the point where we're getting a little bit too much information because even there was a point that Ryan Johnson put on his Twitter like, hey, now's the time to stop. If you don't want spoilers, don't read anything else. And I think that's great that he told everyone that because a lot of people are sensitive to spoilers, which, you know, to a degree I am, you know, depending on the show. I'm not like that with Game of Thrones because I'm easily influenced, but with Star Wars, you know, I don't want to figure out anything until I'm sitting in the theater on December 14th, 7 p.m. and crying as I hear the opening theme. <laughs> yeah, my thing is, is I want as much new stuff as I can get when I'm sitting in the theater that first night. So anything that I see before that subtracts from the newness that I see in the theater. <laughs> So, like, last time I, um, for both Rogue One and for Force Awakens, I watched the official trailers, but I didn't watch the international trailers, and I avoided the TV spots. Wow. That's really difficult. How was that? Well, it was hard. Um, but once you start doing it, you just sort of... You know, you, you sort of realize, okay, well, I'm just not going to listen to this podcast, or I'm going to skip this, or I'm going to be really careful about where I go online. But luckily, the places I hang out online, you know, either Rogue One DM chat, or Steel Wars Safe Haven on Facebook, people are really good about making sure everybody's on the same page in terms of spoilers, and, and people shut up pretty quickly if you ask them to. Yeah, I definitely agree. We have a great little community of people that are sensitive to our, or that are willing to, you know, zip it for the others and not spoil anything. So 
great little community we have. So, should we dive into these articles? Hell yeah, we should. <laughs> All right. So, there were about eight parts. We got the first article, which, or the first part of the article, which is about Luke and Ray, and it's titled, Can Ray Save Luke from His Own Darkness? And basically, this whole article goes on about how Ray's meeting her hero. And how he's basically a broken man, not the person she thought that he was. And there's no warm welcome, which I think that we know that now that there's not going to be a warm welcome between Ray and Luke. I almost think it's going to be a little like Yoda and Luke, but a little more tense. But it's going to improve, I think, throughout the film because she has huge expectations on Luke. And, you know, she has this thought like, you know, I lost my father figure, which was Han. And now I'm with someone who doesn't want my presence. So at first, you know, there's going to be hostility, but then she's going to realize or they're both going to realize that they need each other to defeat the bad. And there was one quote that I thought was really interesting. And Daisy Ridley said this and she said, quote, I don't think one girl who he doesn't even know talking about Luke turning up or showing up with a lightsaber is going to make him go oh shit yeah of course i'll get back into the action but so i think there's gonna be a lot of work to get to the point of luke saying all right i want to get off Octu. two i want to help so yeah that was the first article there was a lot about how let's see Oh, yeah, there was a big part about how Luke kind of assumed that Kylo was the chosen one. What do you think about that? About, you know, that quote about how he had, like, really high expectations on Ben, that Ben had all these powers. What did you think? I thought that was really interesting. Um, it's actually, that's one of the things I sort of wish that I hadn't read. But I think that'll add to... Luke's guilt and Luke's disappointment and the state of mind that Luke is in when Ray comes to him. Sort of, it, it adds to the levels of, of betrayal and of failure and of guilt that Luke could be feeling. Yeah, like, he definitely feels responsible for the fall of Ben. And that's probably why, well, there's a reason why he's now on Octo or Octo or however you pronounce it. I'm going to pronounce it Octo. Nah, but I don't know. I'm excited to figure out all of this and see what happens to Luke because I don't know if I'm prepared yet to see that side of Luke. I think that's going to make me really sad because seeing him on that island on the very last part of The Force Awakens is really emotional for me. I'm actually really excited to see this, Luke. Um, I mean, maybe because I was never a huge Luke girl. Like, um, I was always more in, into Han and Leia and some of the others. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what an older, less innocent Luke is like. I think I think world weary Luke and angry Luke is going to be really interesting to watch, especially when you contrast it with what Ray is expecting him to be. Don't get me wrong; I want him. I want him to come around in the end. I want him and and Ray to 
have a have a positive relationship eventually. Oh, but yeah. I'm looking forward to how we get there. Yeah, that's going to be a big part of the movie is seeing how they work together and, you know, it could possibly fix them. And then another thing in this movie that we're going to find out is a little about Ray's uh, future and about her past and, you know, the big who are her parents question, which I kind of don't care about anymore. Like, I'm just ready for them to, you know, watch the movie and release, like, you know, who she is, who are her parents. I don't think that'll shape her. There's a little bit on one of the other articles how, you know, she's going to find out and, you know, she chooses to do whatever she wants with that information, just like what Luke did when he found out that Darth Vader was his father. Yeah, I think it's important to her to find out who her parents are. But I hope it's not a huge impact on her in terms of who she is as a person. Um, I, I think partially is I have adopted siblings. And so I like this idea that the family that you create is much more important than, than what your genetics are. Yeah, I definitely, I love that way of seeing. I love, you know, that she's going to find out this part and it's not going to shape her. And, you know, she's going to, you know, be a big girl in shoes. Oh, accidentally messed with my chair. But she's going to figure out, you know, who she is and she's going to overcome that and become a stronger woman knowing that, you know, she has all these new friends and, you know, people that she now considers family to be around her. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about part two, uh, Finn and Rose? Yes. This is exciting. Um, <laughs> this is basically talking um, about, like, Finn, who, you know, wanted to be a big deal and was pretending to be a big deal in the Resistance with Ray and... With Han, who immediately called him on it, which was one of my favorite parts in the movie. <laughs> the women but, know but now he sort of he sort of has this opportunity to actually be that. And you have Rose, who is apparently going to think that he is a big deal. Yeah, I love that. I love how, you know, the big theme of this movie is that, you know, meeting your heroes and everything. And to Rose, Finn is a hero. Rose Tico I like I love her last name I think it's really cute and I love how she's kind of like the behind the scenes character she's a mechanic she's not like her sister Paige who's um who's a gunner and she yeah she's a gunner and she fights with uh people like Poe and Paige is not really known by people so when she's gonna meet Finn it's gonna be a very interesting uh reaction I think it's going to be very comical. I feel like Finn is going to be a little overwhelmed and probably enjoyed at first, but maybe he'll get tired of it by the end. He's like, yeah, I'm not really a big deal. And she's like, yes, you are. You're my number one guy or something weird. Well, the thing is that like now he sort of is a big deal. Exactly. As of the end of Force Awakens, you know, he sort of became more of, of what he was pretending to be. But I'm I'm really excited about Rose. I am too. I think she's just going to be fun 
and exciting and I hope I hope has a really like good connection with Finn. Yeah, I'm really interested in Finn too because he is apparently really ready to leave the resistance. He's done. He feels like he's already done his part. He just wants to go. So he's going to meet Rose and he's, you know, obviously going to be flattered a little bit, but he's still going to want to be like, I want to get out of here. This isn't for me. I don't want to be involved. It's getting too real for me. And I wrote down in my notes, he's becoming part of the Never Meet Your Hero squad because, you know, that's what what Rose is going through right now or what Rose is going to go through is, you know, it's probably not going to be what what she expected when she met Finn. She's probably expecting to meet someone who's really confident, who's intelligent, and he's probably going to be a dick and be like, I don't, I don't, no, no. (laughs) But... Another thing that was discussed in this art, this part of the article was the journey to Canto Bight. Yay! And the city is a luxury resort, Vegas-like with aliens, which is what uh, Ryan said. And it's on a very abandoned planet. I believe the planet is called Cantonia? Or T- Cantonica? Something, something similar to that. Something similar. Oh yeah, Cantonica, yes. And Finn and Rose head off to a mission there, too. It says a nice location. So I'm excited. They showed up. They showed some pictures of Canto Bright and some pictures of Finn and Rose. I don't know why, but everyone in these pictures looked really worried. (laughs) They definitely did. They definitely did. Like, you see Finn and Rose, and, you know, they're just kind of, like, staring off into, I don't know, it looks like they're on a ship or something, and they just, like, really, like, puzzled or worried and that's what I think what Luke and Ray kind of looked like in their pictures from the last part of the article. So I'm very excited to see what they're nervous about. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting. I think those two characters in particular being involved with Canto Bite is a good choice because, of course, the stuff that we've seen of Canto Bite is it's sort of like... I, I am seeing it as the rich version of the cantina. Yes, like the rich, bougie version of the cantina. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited. You know, I work in a casino, so it's going to be really interesting to see what Star Wars does with a casino. I remember being at D23 and looking at all like the behind-the-scenes videos that they had for the the last jedi and seeing you know they had little poker table like areas and a lot of people dressed up so very excited to see what they're going to do with that all right and then the third part was meet the porgs and the caretakers from luke's island you want to talk a little about the caretakers and the porgs yes oh man these caretakers they i like this idea they're sort of nuns or or monks is sort of what they they seem to be um at least that's sort of the the costuming cues that i i pick up from the pictures i like the fact that they're very alien looking um it's not just a blue person or somebody with like a horn but they actually have a really distinct look and they are going to be not particularly pleased to have Luke and other people on their island. 
I love that. Like, I love the how the word tolerate. Like, they're just tolerating Luke. Like, they're done with this shit. They want him. They're like, all right, like, just don't touch anything. It's like he's staying at, like, an Airbnb, and they're like, hey, don't touch anything. He can only be here for a certain amount of time. I love that. I'm excited to... I feel so bad. I'm just like, I'm so excited to see this. I'm so excited to see that. But the caretakers are really interesting. They're amphibians. Uh, let's see. But yeah, they have skinny bird feet. And they're mainly creatures. And they occasionally like return to the sea. There's some, a lot about that in the article about how they're amphibians. So... I think that's actually, it goes sort of, I mean, not to get into spoilers, but we have heard rumors in the past about some underwater stuff that we might see. Yeah. And I think that would, this would fit in with that. Exactly. And the Porgs. Oh my god. Okay, look, I go back, I said like two episodes ago that I was done with the Porgs. The fact is, I'm just not, and I'm never going to be done with the porgs because I'm going to. It's it's going to keep swinging around, where I see too much stuff about them. But they're adorable, and I love them. And the fact that they're hanging out with Chewbacca, I I can't get over how adorable it's going to be. Yeah, I love that picture with Chewie and the porg. Like I admit. I'm not invested in Porgs yet. I'm not even sure if I like them yet, but I want to wait until the movie. I want to wait until I know what they sound like. We were joking around at Steel Saunders' show on Saturday that they're going to sound like little British men. But no, I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant. And I, what's really interesting is during or in the article, they linked to a MakingStarWars.net article about one of the first drawings of the Porgs. So... Go Jason. <laughs> so, and they were, the Porgs were created by Neil Scanlon. And obviously they are in the inspiration of Puffins. Obviously they look like little penguin things with big eyes. They kind of look like, do you remember Jabba the Hutt's son in the Clone Wars movie? Yes. I'm getting really big vibes. Like I feel like that was kind of an inspiration or that's maybe just me comparing Object A oh, to they have that sort of B. similar, like, flat face and the big eyes. I've been, I've been thinking them sort of as bird seals. Bird seals. <laughs> because they're obviously avian influenced, but they have something that's a little different. So, yeah, bird seals. Hashtag bird seals. Yeah. I'm always at the zoo. Because San Diego, we have, like, one of the best zoos in the United States, bragging, but, yeah. And they have a lot of penguins there now, and every time I see a penguin there, literally, I think of porgs. Like, I call them porgs, and people are like, no, that's a penguin. I'm like, no, that's a fucking porg. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm confusing children of all ages because of my immaturity and because Star Wars is my life. So, go me. So I believe the next one is the Snoke and Praetorian Guard article. Um, we're we're going to see Snoke, not just hologram Snoke. We're going to see actual Snoke. Um, Kylo's going to be visiting him in some capacity. 
we're going to learn more about the elite Praetorian guards who are um, in these sort of all red, crazy, samurai-inspired gear. And they're supposed to be, like, the big deal in terms of the elite fighting guards who are who are around Snoke. Yeah, I definitely saw a similarity to the Emperor's Guards from episode uh, six. And I definitely noticed that the differences between the Praetorian Guards and the Emperor's Guards is obviously the Praetorian Guards fight. And while the Emperor's Guards were, you know, kind of there to for show and to protect the Emperor... And I definitely did get Game of Thrones vibes, like seeing the armor and everything. And they had these little staffs. Did you notice how they had, in one of the pictures they show, uh, I believe it was two of them, and they have this staff thing. And at the very end of the staff, there's like this like orange reddish blade thing. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking that that's probably a little like that one stormtrooper that yelled traitor and it's able to combat with lightsabers. So hopefully we'll get to figure out what all those weapons are. I'm always interested to see what the weapons are called. I'm not really a big weapons person. Well, I like the weapons in Star Wars, but I'm not the person that knows exactly like what blaster Han Solo uses or, you know, what form of lightsaber you Luke is using, you know, so. No, me neither, but I think we're going to see some really good fight scenes from them. Yeah. I really enjoyed reading the article, too, about how Ryan was saying how they got the Praetorian guards got their names from uh, guards who were protectors of ancient Rome emperors. And it makes me so happy. I'm going to talk about this later today about how I love Star Wars, but I fucking love mythology in Star Wars. I feel like that's one of the reasons why I got so into Star Wars in the beginning was because, you know, mythology and everything. And the History Channel did a really cool uh, video or cool episode in 2007, I believe, about, you know, mythology and Star Wars and how this all connects. So... The one thing about this movie I'm really excited to see is, you know, mythology aspects or, you know, inspiration from today or from the past. So I'm excited to see that, you know, the Praetorian Guards have a little historic background. Now, this next article is probably the one I'm most interested in. Lan Po. Yeah. Um, for a couple reasons, one, of course... I, I want to know what we're seeing from Leia, and we know that they had to drastically rewrite and replan um, part nine, but it sounds like we're going to get an ending for Leia. Obviously, it's not it's not going to be the ending they originally wanted. It's it's something that they're going to have to, you know, work to serve as an ending. Even um, if it can't be a goodbye in terms of, you know, oh, it, like a character dying or or a character going off is much different if, if you have that plan. In this case, it's just going to be sort of like, oh, she's not there in the next movie. But from what it sounds like is they'll have a way where that at least makes sense. 
Yeah, I still don't know how I'm going to react to seeing Carrie Fisher's Leia for the very last time and that knowing. Oh, it's going to be ugly. It is. It's going to be really sad because the article says how, you know, she's going to remain a light that will never go out in the galaxy. And I totally agree with that statement. Leia has gone through so many losses and she's so strong. She's committed to fighting the galaxy, freedom for the galaxy, and, you know, while this is all happening, you know, she's trying to fight. She's obviously grieving for the loss of Han Solo. So we're obviously going to see her, you know, a little somber. Her wardrobe is going to be very dark, probably. So that's not going to be. But what I love is, I'm quoting for the article, this time her story is entwined with Poe Dameron, the hotshot X-Wing pilot played by Aster Isaac. Their relationship is not just general and warrior, their family. And in Star Wars, the notion of family goes far beyond blood relations. I'm so excited to see these two have meaningful scenes together. Yeah, me too. I love how she, they kind of reference Poe as her surrogate son. Doesn't he? I wonder what happened to his parents, though, because I believe that his parents were also X-Wing fighters. And there's a little thing in one of the comic books about how they got a forest tree and they planted it on the oven floor. And that's where Poe was born. But, yeah, I could see from the last movie that they were close. For instance, Poe was sent on the mission to Jakku to get that puzzle piece to find Luke. So and she's going to be kind of his mentor. How do you feel about that? Like, are you excited to see? Well, obviously, you're excited to see, you know, Leia and Poe together, but about the mentorship and kind of, you know, following the leader, following Leia. I like that. I like Leia being able to mentor somebody. I I think that's a good storyline for her. Um, I mean, how her character has gone, you know, she was princess and she was a rebel and now she's a general and she's just such a strong amazing character that it makes sense for her to be somebody who would take people under her wing and it's interesting because Poe's not somebody I necessarily would have guessed that would be but I'm really excited that it's him yeah I would have thought that would have been Ray because I felt they had a little bond Especially because uh, Ray had a bond with uh, Han. You know, she knew everything about the Falcon and they finished each other's sentences. But yes, her and Poe. I'm excited to see, you know, how she's going to teach him. You know, she wants him to be wise and a leader and, and an inspiration to everyone. And, you know, Poe's going to go from a soldier to a leader. And she sees that Poe is the future and that she wants him to, you know, be confident and be confident in his, in himself. And another, oh, yeah. sorry, we go. <laughs> oh no, I was just gonna say like one of my favorite behind the scene photos is that one of, of Carrie and Oscar where he's hogging her from behind and kissing her <laughs> on the cheek. And it's just, it's just beautiful. And I love both of them as actors so much. I think they're both extremely talented. And so I think we're in for some really 
really strong scenes with them. Yeah, it's definitely heart-wrenching seeing, you know, seeing especially videos of her from the behind-the-scenes reel and, you know, seeing pictures, too. We got some pictures from the article, which one of them was, again, Leia looking worried. And another one with Ryan talking to Carrie, of like, behind the scenes and then Poe in the background. So we're seeing that they get a lot of scenes together. And another part of this article was talking about uh, General Holdo, uh, Vice, Ad- uh, Vice Admiral Holdo. And they're not really releasing any information about her yet. They show a picture of her looking cordial towards each other, like it looks like they're holding each other's hands and talking. Uh, Laura Dern looks happy in this picture, but Laura Dern is beautiful. I love her. I love the purple pinkish hair that she has in this film. I love her dress with the turtleneck and the waviness to oh man I, I'm because Laura Dern is on um she's on Twin Peaks right now oh, wow. and she's just doing such an incredible job she's always really good but the fact that she's also going to be in Star Wars that's like my two big huge fandoms right now and so to have her in both of those is really really fun Yes, and also everyone, Emily also has another podcast about Twin Peaks called How's Annie? Her and Charlie Ashby talk about uh, Twin Peaks, and you all should listen. Shameless plug. Yes, (laughs) thank you. It's good. Yes, yes. I hope. (laughs) Well, yeah, you guys have been getting good reviews, good uh, on iTunes, too, so... Hell yeah to you guys. That's yeah, awesome. Sound, yeah, it's it's fun doing this. You know, podcast, podcasting is fun. It really is. <laughs> I said that's such a monotone voice, but no, I really mean it. All right. And you know, the last part of the article just talks about, you know, the unwanted uh, farewell. About it's going to be very emotional to see um, what Leia does in this film. And there's kind of going to be... You know, no closure for Leia. But, you know, they included some really interesting things about, you know, Carrie on set. How she would just, like, take people and sing old songs with them and dance. Like, she'd sing, like, old Beatles songs or something and just, you know, get Oz- or Oscar Isaac and just start dancing. I love that. That's very real. Carrie was always that, you know, breath of fresh air, especially at celebrations. I remember watching the live streams of, you know, she had that little panel in Europe and she was, you know, grabbing people from the audience and, like, kissing them and shit. She, she's amazing. Or she, she is. She still is. She's amazing. She always will be. All right. And part six, we talk about DJ. Every time I hear DJ, especially in Star Wars, I think of Full House, that character DJ. Like, I don't know if that's ever going to get out of my head. I don't think so. So when I see Benicio Del Toro as this character, I would be like, it's DJ from Full House. No, but um, there's a lot of details about his... There's not too many details about his character, but enough to intrigue me. Kelly Marie Tran, she stated how she felt disturbed by Benicio's performance. She quoted that she felt like there was a tiger in the room and she always had to be watching. Like any animal at any moment, he could do something. What do you think about that? I think that sounds like a perfect role for Benicio Del Toro. 
he's an actor who who does have this sort of caged energy in him. Um, the thing that I've seen him in the most is The Usual Suspects, because I've seen that movie like 50 times. <laughs> but, you know, he is this sort of laid-back weird dude in that movie, but he's still this criminal and he's got this this edge to him that's always lurking there. Um, I feel that that's sort of how he is in a lot of performances. And so I think that sounds like a really good fit. And I like that maybe it's not going to be super clear-cut whose side he is on or whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah, he, is, he was stating in previous interviews that he was a villain, but now he's going back and saying he doesn't know. He's just like, I don't know. You'll have to see. But I feel like this is going to be, you know, kind of in a middle character. Like, he's familiar with the galaxy, obviously, like, the grimy parts, because, you know, he's on Canto Bite. You can't really trust someone that spends all their time in the casino. No offense, but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's going to be part of the Canto Bite mission, and we still don't know why he's there. He's probably going to do something with, uh, try to do something bad with uh, Finn and Rose. And we get a- another picture of Canto Bite in this article. And I'm getting a lot of Coruscant vibes. Like, it reminds me of the Opera House in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, definitely. And the article goes on about saying how he has expert skills and that he's a hacker. <laughs> and a, a slicer. slicer. <laughs> Which I uh, I like I know I know hacker is obviously you know a modern word so you can't just put it in to Star Wars but slicer is a little too um cyberpunk William Gibson neuromancer for me and those are so, like I, I say that as somebody who loves cyberpunk and who loves William Gibson but I don't necessarily want it in my Star Wars so I am hesitant about that yeah I still I know I'm gonna like this character because it's Star Wars and I've never hated a character before. I know that a lot of people hate like Jar Jar and you know Jango Fett. I actually know a lot of people that don't like Jango Fett. And I'm trying to think of other characters that people don't like. Um a lot from the Clone Wars, which we'll probably discuss the Clone Wars a little bit later, which I'm excited as hell to hear your reaction about. But I don't know. I think the Keller Marie Tran quote about how, you know, she felt like he, there was a tiger in the room, especially his acting, too. I'm I'm just excited to see Benicio Del Toro because I haven't really watched a lot of movies that he's in. So that's that's the line where I knew that I was going to have a crush <laughs> on this character. The menacing character. We should have said he wears capes. Yeah, he's going to be my new. <laughs> he's going to be my new guy. Like I don't have, I don't have Krennic to crush on anymore. Um, I mean Tarkin's long gone. Um, so and and Han's dead. So yeah, it's gonna. You be have this, this dude. like recurring thing with your men that they all die. So 
now I have a theory that DJ is going to die. <laughs> Conspiracy theory. But. Yeah, that'd be. I, I almost think he's going to. I hate saying that. Oh, he's going to be like the, this character from the original trilogy. He's going to be a little bit like Lando, but he's not going to be Lando. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. So, part seven. God, there are so many parts. Was this all in the magazine or was this all on the internet? Because I was reading a lot of the articles last night. I didn't read them until last night, actually, because I was a little hesitant to get into them. But I had to sit myself down and be like, all right, I want to read this all. I want to know exactly what this movie or what they want us to know what this movie is going to be a little bit about. But uh, this part seven was probably... My one of my favorite parts was about Ray taking her first steps towards uncovering her family history. Like I said before, that I'm not really interested in, you know, finding out about Ray and her parentage because I already have an idea. Like my kind of Ray theory is that she's a random. And I know I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'm excited to be wrong. I don't want to be right. Like I don't want to I want this to be unexpected. So, and they, they mentioned the Obi-Wan theory, like how, like, it's a big theory that, you know, Obi-Wan had a son and that she's a Kenobi, which I think is horse shit. But <laughs> <laughs> it is like I one of my old teachers in uh, college, we are my English teacher. We would talk about Star Wars all the time because it was right before The Force Awakens was coming out. And we would talk a lot about Star Wars. And then, you know, I move or. I finished his class and every time I would see him after we'd talk about, you know, The Force Awakens and everything and how the movie was. And every time I would talk to him and see him in the hallways, I'd still he'd still always tell me, you know, Ray is a Kenobi. You know, Ray is a Kenobi. I'd say, Alan, you're stupid. No, she is not a Kenobi. And he's like, yeah, she is. I'm like, no, there's there's no way in hell she's going to be a Kenobi. I'm putting my foot down right now or a Palpatine. Everyone just coming up with these theories because they're so easy, you know? Sorry, random rant. But yeah, like it, I want I want to be surprised. And, you know, obviously her family history is important to her. She wants to know. And they bring up a big quote in the in the article about, you know, origin. Oh, no, it's about the mouse quote about the belonging you seek is not behind you. It's in front of you. So she's obviously going to find out. But at the end of the day, she's going to have that lingering hope that she's going to find belonging. And I totally get that. Like, I've totally been in those situations before where it's like, I know I'm not going to figure out something or I know I'm not going to get the answers. But like deep down, like I want the answers. It's like, you know how everyone thinks that the Last Jedi trailer is going to come out. And even though I know 100% there's not going to be a trailer until like early October or November, I'm like deeply hope. I deep down, I'm like, God, like a trailer would be really nice right now, even though I know for a fact it's not going to happen. But anyways, Emily, what do, you, what do you think? I am in the camp of I don't want Ray's parents to be anybody. anybody. I don't want her to be a Skywalker. I don't want her to be a Kenobi. I think her being related to Palpatine would be stupid. I just want her, I don't, I don't know. 
What if what if she was related to the Porgs? Like Ray Porg. Like <laughs> I like that. It's a very nice last name, like Ray Porg. Okay, that's the only one I find acceptable. That's that's my new that's my new Ray theory. Every other Ray theory is dumb, only that she is Or what if Mendo or what if uh, Orson Krennic and Mon Mothma really did have a thing and they had a son and you know and then they and then the son had a kid so she <laughs> she's a Krennic <laughs> Ray Ray Krennic <laughs> Best theory. That's the only theory I'm going to expect. They're going to be like, yeah, so your dad, you know, he, he was a big part of the empire and he got a little angry sometimes and people call him Mendo. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> okay, I'll also accept Britney's that Britney's Ray theories. I, I think this should be a show. No, I'm kidding. I. I mean, they're more interesting than the other shit theories I've heard, especially the Pal. Have you looked into the Palpatine one? No, I hadn't. I hadn't ever even heard that until you said it. Just oh, now. really? Yeah. My younger brother is really into Star Wars too, and he's always watching those videos. I'll have to get him on here sometime. I'm always bothering him that he should join a podcast every now and then because uh, Steel. Sa- he was with me at uh, D23, and he was on Steel Saunders' uh, blog pods, and I was so excited to see him. You know, talk about Star Wars and the blog pods. In proud sister. But he's very introverted, so I want to get him on to talk about Star Wars because, you know, that's his life, that and Marvel. But he watches, you know, these conspiracy theories, I can't even speak, conspiracy theories about Ray's parentage. One of them was about Palpatine, about her being a Palpatine, and about how, you know, Anakin was kind of created by the midichlorians, and, you know, that's why, you know, he... He was a virgin birth. Uh, Shumi, you know, she did the quote like, oh, there was no father. But it was some, like, I don't know, magic shit that, oh, like Palpatine conceived Ray or, or made Ray just pop out of nowhere or something. But it's really stupid. I don't recommend you checking it out. I don't recommend anyone checking it out. If that's your Ray theory, your Ray theory sucks. But... <laughs> Wow, I, I went from being really nice in this podcast to being like, you suck! Your Ray theories suck! But no, um, let's see. Um, there's a new picture of, oh yeah, that new uh, article cover, or that new, or that, not newspaper, but the magazine cover, Ray holding the lightsaber. She looks beautiful in that picture. That was the first, I hate being like, oh, she looks so pretty, but she does, she looks beautiful, especially with the lightsaber. Like seeing a woman on the cover of Entertainment Weekly with a lightsaber, it's, yes, yes, it's like everything I've ever wanted and more. I don't know if I told you this, but I didn't know that Ray would be a Jedi. I don't. I had the because you saw Finn with all the you know the lightsaber action in the trailers. I didn't know. Oh, that was before I I'd gotten to know spoilers for uh, for the Force Awakens. So when all this Jedi stuff started happening with Ray, I was like, holy shit! Like I didn't expect that, even though everyone did. It was just me. I have my blonde moments, even though I'm a redhead. I tell everyone I'm a strawberry blonde because I have a lot of blonde moments. But yeah, like I didn't know. So. Seeing the movie and seeing how Ray, I go to Disneyland a lot 
And I go to Disney World. My sister works for Disney. So I try to head over to Florida every now and then because Disney's my crack. And I love, co- no, <laughs> but no, I, I love Disney. We're a big Disney family. And I see a bunch of little girls dressed up as Ray. Like, do you know how happy that, that makes me so happy, you know, seeing little girls, you know, dress up as characters. Because, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't really see a lot of girls do that. You know, girls would dress up as, or I'd see, I wouldn't see, actually, I wouldn't see anyone dressed up. Like, I remember one year I was handing out candy and I saw a little girl dressed up as Padme and I lost my shit. I was like, you know who this is? Oh my God. You know, I was, I was so happy. Of course, you see a bunch of, you know, boy characters. Like you see the Anakins and the Obi-Wans and the Lukes and you see a couple of R2-D2s, but people like to do that with their infants because they like to do that but yeah i don't know but yeah seeing a bunch of rays all over the place at disney it's great and they know who ray is and hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah sorry i i'm I'm rambling on but what did you think about this part of the article did you like it are you excited to see uh ray kind of you know figure out who she is have her i mean i always i always want to see more ray so I'm down for for that story just because I like her and this is obviously something that is going to be in, important to her no matter how it turns out. And also, I just want the question to be answered just so people shut up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so people shut up. I was going to say it nicer than that for once, but no, so people shut up. We're both honest women. I think people can handle our honesty. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I totally agree. But another thing in this article that definitely surprised me was that we're also going to find out a little bit about Finn's family history. So we're going to find out that he's Mace Windu's child. No, but (laughs) I hate when they do that. Or they're like, oh, he's Lando's kid. It's like, no. But yeah, we're going to find out about Finn, where he came from, why he left, you know, why he came to that decision that he wanted to help Poe get off of um, get off of the ship and save Poe and everything. So that should be part of the, the, the thing about Finn that I am interested in is I'm sort of interested in how the First Order took people. I mean, it seemed like they were sort of... Uh, took kids and raised them in a sort of brainwashed kind of system of some sort. And I'm so I'm sort of hoping that when when it says that we're gonna be learning more about Finn, we're gonna learn more about what what that meant. Like how that came to be because that's something I am interested in. Yeah, I remember in Star Wars Rebels a couple seasons ago, they kind of talk about how they pick kids to, you know, become Imperials and become Stormtroopers. And, you know, they just like ran, I think it was they just like pick kids that they believe are talented. And I think, did did they kind of explain that in the Lost Stars novel? Uh, I mean, they definitely, there's, there's some of it there, just sort of like in the like Imperial school and stuff. Mm. interesting but yeah i almost think i I, I, i'm hoping that it's gonna be one of those things that people just decide to like put their kids but obviously it's not it's gonna be the obviously the resistance is either taking people from their families 
or there's that little small group of people that probably you know volunteer to put their children in something like this i love how in the force awakens there's like little shade that hux did about oh i should go back and get the clone army or something but the clones were pretty successful like you know i don't know of course you know they turn on everyone but that was because of palpatine like palpatine was really smart and he created that whole thing with the clones. So I almost don't know why they got rid of the clones in the beginning or at the end, obviously, after, you know, the events of Revenge of Sith happened. But I don't know. Should be cool. Should be cool. And last but not least, we look into the villains of this movie. And the article is titled, uh, Kylo's Humiliation and Other Tales from the Star Wars Dark Side. And here we see Kylo. Kylo Ben, as I call him. And the article, you know, goes on about how he is humiliated by the scavenger girl. Like, you know, he was, he was very confident in his power and everything, and... He had just defeated his father. He had killed him. He had this, like, rush of anger, like, rebellious anger, and Ray kind of defeated him. He got his ass beat, and he's probably not going to be okay with that. So, and we see a picture of Kylo in this article, and he has his hair down. looks nice. Uh, we see the scar. I believe it's on his... It's on one of the sides of his face. It doesn't matter, but I like the scar. It adds to it. And there's no cape, though, because he's supposed to have a cape in this movie. And I'm really interested to see his cape because I, too, I enjoy some capes. Like, I enjoy Darth Vader's cape. And you see uh, Kylo's TIE silencer. So apparently he's a pilot, too. Well, obviously, he's the spawn of Han Solo, so he should pilot. And he has the dark side in him, and he's a Skywalker. And Skywalkers are really fucking good pilots. So, we'll see him do a bunch of pilot shit. What do you think about that? I think we should get some pretty cool space battles. Oh, yes. It's not a Star Wars movie without space battles. And I think I think having Kylo, like, right in the middle of those will be interesting. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely cause havoc in his little TIE silencer. I'll get some great uh, Darth Vader vibes when he was battling on over the Death Star, killing everyone, including um, Big Stark Glider. R.I.P. Biggs. <laughs> and also in this article is um, they inc- they like say it's about the villains, but for some reason they include Chewbacca and Han Solo. Like I think it's really funny how you know they're like oh like it's about the villains and oh yeah Chewie like we need to talk about Chewie. Yeah, and this Han. is sort of really just their like odds and ends article. Yeah, it's just here we're just putting everything together, and you know it talks about how Ray has this grudge against Kylo. She, he killed her mentor. Like he killed like her her very first father like figure. Well, I don't know if um what's his name on oh, Jack who I always forget his name. That's when you know that's kind of a crappy character. Who's the guy with the quarter portions? Yeah, I don't think he was a very good father figure. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. But yeah, she's angry. She's 
in grief. Like, why would he do something? Why would Kylo do something like this? She doesn't understand the dark side. And the article goes on about saying how Han Solo is a figurative ghost present present throughout this film. So we'll definitely get, you know, feelings that Han, of Han, like remembering Han. Which, you know, it's been two years since we've lost Han. So... I don't know if my heart's going to rent a little bit because seeing him die in The Force Awakens was very shocking to me. But you're a big Han Solo girl, so I think it's probably, you're probably going to maybe get a, I don't know, do you think you'll get emotional, you know, feeling Han Solo throughout this film? I think so. Uh, I think, or at least I'm hoping we're going to see something of Luke's reaction to losing Han. Oh, yeah, and and that's going cool. to get to me. And also, uh, with whatever uh, Chewie is doing, it's obviously going to have that hanging over it pretty heavily. Yeah, man. I'm not ready to see Chewbacca sad. I, I saw him sad enough, you know. I saw him sad when Han went to Carbonite, but this is so different. We're going to see in the Han Solo film how they meet and everything. And that's just going to make it more painful that that he lost his best friend. But, you know, he trusts Rey. He has some new friends, like the little Porgs. So hopefully the Porgs don't annoy him too much and he doesn't eat them because he's angry and sad that he lost his best friend. But you never know. Like, there's a nice picture of him in the cockpit of the Falcon. And then there was another picture of him with a porg. And people say it looks like he has a porg feather in his mouth. But I think that's just people hoping to see him eat porgs. Which is kind of terrible, but kind of funny. I mean, you don't... You don't eat something with the feathers on it. (laughs) Maybe Chewie was just really hungry. Like, the Wampa would have done that in that Forces of Destiny comic. With Chewbacca, you know? Because remember... Or not comic, but the Forces and Destiny episode when the Wampa is, like, cuddling Chewbacca. Like, maybe he (laughs) likes to cuddle his food before he eats it. Forcibly cuddling. But, yeah, there's definitely going to be darkness surrounding poor little Chewie. You know, depressed Chewie. So that's going to be a bummer. But hopefully it'll get better throughout the film. Like, we see the Falcon in action in the trailer or the trailer that released in April. So we'll probably see some uplifting Chewy moments. He'll probably be happy to see Luke after all these years. So. Yeah, and then really, the, the, the last big thing is that, like we've heard so far, is we're going to see more of Phasma, which I'm excited for. I realize... People talk a lot of shit about Phasma in the first movie, but I think most of that is just that they, Star Wars sort of shot themselves in the foot with that, which is they built up that character a lot going into the film, and then she really didn't have much to do. So I think a lot of the the disappointment surrounding that character is just in, in how she was billed. And sort of the disconnect between that and the reality of it. But it sounds like this movie, we're going to get what people thought she was going to be in the first movie. 
Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I'm ready to see the more significant role that she's going to have in this movie. And I didn't realize how much Ryan Johnson loves Gwendolyn Christie. Like, <laughs> That's great. He he was bashing, you know, he, he was he was talking so, not bashing, but he was talking so much about how much he loves her. Like, you know, especially at D23, he was talking about how she was joking around that she wouldn't give him Game of Thrones spoilers, which I think is awesome. Because I love, I love her in Game of Thrones, too. I think I was really excited to see her in The Force Awakens because I knew her as, you know, the character. So, And they also talk about how we're getting a novel by uh, Delilah Dawson about how she got into the First Order. So we're going to see kind of a backstory of Phasma. And we're getting that Marvel comic Phasma about how she escaped the uh, the trash compactor. She didn't have 3PO to help her like Luke, Han, and Leia did. So she must find some sneaky, sneaky way to... Or a really boring way to get out of the trash compactor. All right. And there's also going to be a little showdown between Finn and Phasma. I think Phasma's going to win and Finn's just going to find a way to run away. That's what I think, though, because I I almost think that Phasma is more powerful than Finn. But I could be wrong. I want to be wrong. But I feel like Phasma has more training and everything. And, you know, she has that. No, I, I think Phasma would win that fight, especially when you consider this is the second movie. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be some stakes left. So it makes more sense if Finn loses this time. Yeah, and he's obviously still recovering from his little skimish with uh, Kylo Ben, too. So I wonder, because he got sliced in the back, right? Yeah. Ugh, that must be painful. I know a couple nights spent in the back to tank will do some shit, but not enough. Like, he's probably still going to be seen being in pain or something, or he's probably going to try to hide it because he's a man, you know, so... But yeah, that, that ends it for now on all the articles. But there is also another one that came out today about George Lucas. And this is kind of a separate one. But oh, here, let me pull it up right here. Ah, perfect. It was released uh, today, August 14th. It's August 14th today, everyone. Happy August 14th. But uh, George Lucas still offers the Star Wars film suggestions on the Jedi. So it talks about... How, you know, George Lucas gets idea about the Jedi and, um, here, let me skim this a little bit. Um, yeah, how, you know, he visits the sets of the films like Rogue One and, here, I'm still skimming, still skimming. While I'm skimming, Emily, what do you think about George Lucas's involvement in Star Wars? Especially, in, like, do you think that he's a little bit involved in The Last Jedi? Or do you think they've just totally dumped him? Like, they've ghosted him, like many people assume? I mean, you listen to George Lucas when he gives you suggestions. I don't necessarily think you implement any of them. But... <laughs> For for politeness sake, if nothing else, I mean, you're not going to tell George Lucas to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, George. Nah, I don't, I, I'd be really sad. Like, he's kind of funny. I remember hearing, uh, they were doing, like, um, they, a long time ago, and no, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far, no, they were doing the Force Unleashed games, 
and they were talking about you know bad guys they wanted to do i could be totally wrong but i remember about how they were giving ideas for character names and george like recommended the name of darth icky yeah that's that's why maybe you don't listen to george maybe he was just fucking with everyone but i just think that he's just so done but at the same time he's He's finally starting, the article talks about, I think he's finally starting to settle into this and just becoming a fan. It's taken a while. It's hard to let go. And after 40 years, that's a lot of expectation and things he thought a lot about. Suddenly, that next generation, that whole thematic idea he came up with is in process. That's the whole, that's the quote. It's a big quote. And Lucas may, it also says, Lucas may yet have some important guidance, even though he has taken himself out of the game. It's kind of sad, you know, like he sold his soul, not his soul, but he sold all of his ideas to Disney. And didn't he, I feel, he donated a lot of that money to charity too, am I right? Yeah, I believe so. Hmm. Good man, George. I still remember that picture of him getting noodles in that one food place. Oh yeah, the food court in Adelaide. I wonder what kind of noodles he was eating. I like noodles. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I get so random sometimes. But yeah, good old George. Good old George. And his suggestions. I remember seeing him uh, or hearing about how he went to the Force Awakens premiere and everyone was asking him about the movie and he's like, I don't know. They didn't listen to me. They didn't listen to my ideas. And it's kind of sad, but it's like, you know, did, did you not expect that? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he sold it. It's not, it's not his project anymore. Yeah, it's not yours anymore, George. You need to learn how to share. But yeah, all these articles—they're done for now. What do you think of of everything? It was a lot of information. It is again, like it's it's for me. It's it's just right up there with me thinking maybe it's too much, but. There's definitely enough there to give me a lot of stuff to think about and to speculate on for the next couple of months. Yeah, those fan expectations. I know I listened to a lot of other podcasts, too, so hearing their input on these articles will be exciting, too, to hear their points of view. Because I could look back and be like, God damn it, why didn't I say that? Like, you know, so. But yeah, we're... We're done for now for Star Wars news, and Force Friday's coming up soon, and they released uh, that they're coming out with a porg, a stuffed animal porg that makes noises. What noises do you think a porg makes? And I want to hear, like, actual sounds from you of what you truly think a porg sounds like. Oh, no, that's not going to happen. Why? <laughs> well, first of all, no, I don't, I don't do impressions. Also, I feel like I'm going to be really annoyed by whatever sound that toy makes. I I think it's sort of, like, in my head, it's sort of like a dove sound. Like that sort of, like, warbly cooing sound that, that doves do. But okay, like, that's... hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> <laughs> or like, ah! I'm, look, I'm okay, hoping I it mean... sounds like Jar Jar. <laughs> I don't think it's going to sound like Jar Jar. I'm hoping that it's so annoying that 
everyone's gonna be so like i just want everyone to be like like annoyed of porgs because right now everyone's like i love porgs i want everything with porgs on it i want pork t-shirts pork tattoos i want porgs everything and then just hear the sound of a pork and they're gonna be like never mind like it's gonna sound like some terrible screech like or something weird like that so that's yes everyone that's literally me making weird noises because i do that in my spare time but I'm excited to hear what porks sound like because I love animal noises and I love seeing the inspiration of where they get the noises and ac- er, noises from. Like how Chewbacca was like a mix of like a lion, a little bit of a dog, and I believe it was a walrus too. Am I right? Maybe. I know it was a seal. But yeah. All right. And to our next segment, uh, Emily, <laughs> you, you watched The Clone Wars. The first season, some of the first season. Yeah, I watched the first couple of episodes. Um, I don't know. At this point, like, I don't have a ton to say about it yet because I'm sort of still in the beginning, which people tell me is not the best of the show. Which, I mean, thank goodness, because I don't even particularly dislike it. I'm just I'm finding it hard to engage with it. You know, like, this first episode, there's all sorts of, like, Yoda scenes in it. And I realized... I I always thought I really loved Yoda. But I, I love Yoda in small doses. Because the Yoda talk... Because every sentence in the Clone Wars that Yoda has is the backwards talk. And it's starting to grate on me a little bit. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I'm just not... I... I, I I have a short um, tolerance for it, I guess, which is funny because I I love I love Yoda in the movies, but I'm finding it I'm finding it difficult here, and I I don't know there's some there's some humor in it, but again like it's you know it's a cartoon so you know I mean what do I expect from it but some of the humor with the with the um, the droid army is is pretty dire. <laughs> But I still like Ventress and her two lightsabers. Um, and in the second episode, there's lots of good Ahsoka and Anakin scenes. Um, the second episode is the one where um, the Separatists have like this secret weapon that has been sort of devastating. And, and Anakin and Ahsoka against the council goes off to investigate it when, um, oh, what's his name? When, when, uh, Kuhn is, um, is in trouble, like, his, his ships get cut down, and so they go to go save him, and they find out the Separatists have this big ion cannon that's super powerful and killing lots of people. I have to say, it's pretty dark, because there's this scene, like, they all, they all launch into escape pods and like the last half of the episode is just these droids cutting open these escape pods and like venting these clones and these people out into space (laughs) like it's like it's really dark (laughs) yeah it reminds me of like that one scene i was like cracking up about from the clone wars movie about how Soka's talking to Anakin about how they have to go back to Tatooine to give back Jabba's son. And she's like, oh, my God, Anakin, you're going back to Tatooine. Like, it's your home. And he's like, 
yeah, home. And you hear in the background like the Tuscan Raider noise and you see that he's angry because the last time he was there, they killed his mother. And I, I found that humorous. I don't know why. I think it's just because they try to at little times, you know, add so much emotion to a character that's almost cheesy in a way. But, you know, especially, you know, I, I believe like the lesson that was learned in that episode was about it was like they they told Ahsoka and Anakin not to intervene with saving Plo. And she was like, no, let's save him. And then Anakin's like, dude, what, what are you doing? Like, you can't tell him that. Like, you can't do that. And then like he goes behind the, the Jedi Council and was like, oh, we're gonna go save Plo. And she's like, what? I thought you said we couldn't. And he's like, well, you, you can't tell him what you're gonna do. Like, if you feel it's right, do it. Just don't tell him. Yeah, just don't, just don't 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 tell him. Like, just just do it. No, I'm already I'm already liking Anakin more than I ever liked him in the prequels. That's good. I don't know if I said this last time. I don't know if you've gotten to any like Padme centered episodes, but I don't like the voice acting for Padme. Like, I I appreciate it. Like, go the voice actors who did Padme, but. It's just not Padme to me. Like, I don't know if it's because of the writing, too, but it just sounds very whiny for Padme. Like, I, I almost hate it because it was kind of like reverse. Like, I loved Natalie Portman in the movies, and I wasn't such a big fan of Hayden Christensen. Well, I was, but, you know, there were flaws. But I feel like in The Clone Wars, it's the other way around for me. Like, I really enjoy Matt Lanter's um, Anakin, but I am not the biggest fan of Padme. So... Yeah, I like the droids, though. I think, <laughs> as funny as it sounds, their humor, like, kind of inter- is entertaining, like, especially for kids, too. But for me, I think it's kind of funny how they have, like, little personalities and everything. So, uh, what episode exactly did you get on of The Clone Wars? Um, I just watched the first two. Oh, the first two? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are okay episodes. I mean, uh, you're going to hear this from everyone, but they definitely get better. Like, after the first season, because I believe, like, they do a first season of a series, and, like, they were waiting for someone to pick it up. Like, they didn't know that Cartoon Network was going to pick it up until they had already finished the first season. I'm probably totally wrong, but I remember hearing this somewhere. But, I don't know. You can't always judge by the... Well, I know that, but, you know, definitely the seasons get better, and, like, there's always, you know, those little lessons in the beginning like they have like a little quote like i believe uh, one of the first episode was like great leaders inspire greatness in others which is like little fortune cookies you get every episode (laughs) except you're not eating fortune cookies it's just a little fortune so i like that all right so we're gonna get to our next part right now and uh emily and i are gonna talk about why we both love star wars so emily why do you love Star Wars? Because in our first episode, we talked sort of about how we each got into Star Wars. But I was thinking about what it was about Star Wars and and how I got drawn into it and why I got so drawn into it and why it, it really resonates with me. Um, I have to say, I've always really been into science fiction and fantasy. Um, even when I was little, um, like I started watching Star Trek when I was really young and I always loved, um, the labyrinth and the dark crystal and all the, the Jim Henson stuff. And, um, my dad used to read the Hobbit to me when I was a kid and he'd do all the voices 
and so, oh, shit. oh my god it was amazing like <laughs> like i i love um andy circus as as Gollum, but when i think about Gollum, i still like in my head it's still my dad's voice <laughs> um <laughs> That's so cute. I love it. Yeah, you know, I did, I didn't, like, I did Narnia and, and all the things like that. I've always, and I was always really into fairy tales and, and we used to have this really gorgeously illustrated book of, of Greek myths that I remember just being fascinated with as a kid. And so there's Star Wars and Star Wars is science fiction, but it's science fiction with a a fantasy and mythology heart, I would say. Like, it has the trappings of science fiction, but the story beats of of mythic fantasy. And that... That combination, even if I didn't realize as a kid what it was about that, that drew me in so much, but I can sort of see it in, in all the other things that I love and also they're just they're fun movies and they're exciting and they're scary well, I mean they're scary when you're a little kid like Darth Vader's terrifying and you think anybody could die at any moment because you're a little kid and you don't understand that you know Luke Skywalker is not going to die because he's the main character of the movie and you know you get Princess Leia who I was just in awe of you know, a princess who could not only rescue herself, but rescue other people as well. And so that's always been part of it. And even though, like, I got out of Star Wars fandom when when the prequels came out, and I wasn't really into it, I still loved that original trilogy so much, and I would rewatch it a lot. And now, with The Force Awakens, and and all these new movies that we're getting, and these new characters, all that stuff that I loved as a kid is back and strong, and I'm still loving it. I just, I love the universe, and I love the messages in it. Um, there's... I, I mean, I'm such a sarcastic person and such a cynical person, but Star Wars has this real heart and this hope to it that I keep finding myself drawn back to. But how about you? Like, what what is it about Star Wars that connects with you? You know... A lot of it actually was the story and definitely, you know, the hero's journey. Like, you know, I told you how I, you know, started off, you know, getting I, I got into the prequels first before anything. And, you know, seeing the story of the prequels and you know, the tragedy like that attracted me for some reason. I was really young when I got into Star Wars. I watched it for the first time and I was like five or six. I was like the Phantom Menace. And then I got back in or really into it in about fourth or yeah, I was like fourth grade. And I can't remember what exactly what was like the moment that I fell in love with Star Wars. I think I was just really attracted to the story and, you know, definitely the costuming and the mythology. Like at the time, I didn't really, you know, I know the mythology, but I feel like, you know, growing up, I definitely love seeing that in the film. You know, like you see 
Luke is like Hercules, you know, going through hell to try to prove himself. And like King Arthur, like he's given the Excalibur, you know. And he's Luke is wielding the saber, like how King Arthur is wielding the Excalibur. And I love the character's journey and especially Luke. I feel like, you know, as I grew up, I definitely, you know, connected to Luke and his story. And, you know, Luke realizing his parentage in The Empire Strikes Back was really big because as soon as he finds out about Darth Vader... He has that moment of, you know, fight or flight where I thought it was really powerful that, you know, he chose to fall to his possible death and commit suicide rather than accept that his not that accept his father's Vader, but, you know, join his father and be bad and, you know, join the one thing that he was always taught not to join. So I thought that was very powerful. And definitely seeing women in Star Wars, too, was really inspiring, too, because the very first podcast I talked about how I grew up watching Disney princess movies and they were always a damsel in distress and seeing someone like Leia. I remember watching the A New Hope for like one of the first times and seeing about how all this tragedy happened to Leia, like Alderaan blew up. And when she got to Yavin, oh, one of the first people came up to her and was like, I was so worried about you. Are you okay? And she stops him. She's like, there's no time for that. We need to get to this now. And I just thought, that's amazing. Like, she will do anything to help people and be selfless. So I was definitely attracted to the characters too and especially Padme I definitely loved Padme so much because you know her planet was beautiful and it was heaven-like and peaceful and that was like Padme too you know she was like the symbol of peace and beauty and everything and you see that in her costume like she was very romantic but she was strong too like she was a queen but she was very strong she didn't listen to anyone else like and I love the decoy thing in episode one that was probably one of my favorite things about, you know, seeing Padme. You know, she was hiding this big secret from everyone that she was actually this queen. And when she was on Tatooine with Qui-Gon and Jar Jar, you know, kind of undercover scene, like investigating everything for herself and seeing how she revealed that to Boss Nass that, you know, she was the queen and she needs help. And, but... I don't know, just the whole story and definitely the score. John Williams, I've always been really into music. Like I I used to be in plays when I was a kid. My sister was too. And definitely like the score. I was really intrigued by, you know, the music and everything. And I remember being at school all the time and like just humming it and people would be really annoyed because no one would understand what I was doing because no one really knew Star Wars. I got into Star Wars at kind of a weird age that not a lot of people knew who it was. Like, I think I had one friend that knew what I was talking about. And I was really excited because we would both read Star Wars books Aww. about how and we talk about how we would want to live on Uthagunga, which is where Jar Jar lives, because we both like the idea of living underwater. So, yeah, you know, kind of, you know, people didn't understand me because I was really in, I was into this big world that like no one knew about, you know, because Star Wars is so big, everything. So. I definitely enjoyed that. It was like my little thing that I knew I loved and I shared the bond with my brother. Like we both really love Star Wars. We would play with action figures all the time and we would play the video games. Like we both got into, you know, Battlefront and everything. And you, there was like a little story about how in the video game about, you know, a stormtrooper, you know, talking about how he went from the Republic to the Empire and talking about, you know, how 
you know, they would go from, you know, helping the Jedi to killing the Jedi and then killing everyone to, you know, gain power in the Empire and how the destruction of the Death Star really affected them because they lost all their brothers. Like a lot of the clones died or old, older clones died in the Death Star because of the rebels. So you see anger on both sides. You see the anger in the rebels because they feel like the Empire is a tyranny and they're evil, kind of like you know, Hitler's rise to power, like the prequels are definitely like that. You know, you see a lot of, or I'm rambling on now, but, (laughs) but, uh, at Steele's show, or Steele Saunders, he had a live show in LA and his, um, guest was Kyle Newman who did fanboys, the movie fanboys. And he actually directed some of Taylor or one of Taylor Swift's music videos, which I was really interested in, but he was a very interesting man. Go listen to that podcast. It's going to be out. Definitely. When you listen to this, so listen to Steel. He's awesome. Anyways, but Kyla was talking about the importance of the prequels and how, you know, mythology is important in Star Wars. And that's why a lot of people got into that. And I totally agree with that. And he was talking about, God, no, what was he talking about? How Star Wars is very ahead of its time and especially the prequels because Everything going on in the prequel, uh, everything that went on in the prequels, you know, like Palpatine's rise of power is almost similar to everything happening right now. And it's amazing, you know, looking back and, you know, and seeing that and how it's going to be relevant forever, especially, you know, the mythology about Star Wars and everything. So that is my super long reason why I love Star Wars. So, hell yeah. But I don't know. It's something that means it means a lot to me. And finding people that love Star Wars means a lot to me, too. And that's why, you know, finding this community has made me really happy in the past year because I I didn't know that there were people like me out there who were obsessed with Star Wars and, you know, watched the movies all the time. Well, I knew there was, like, big fans, but I just didn't know, like, how close I was to them. Like, a lot of you guys, like, live in L.A. or, you know, like, you live in New York, but, you know, we all con- we all connect over Star Wars and other topics, too, and I think that's awesome. makes me really happy that I found all you guys. So, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Brittany. But, yeah, my long ramble on about Star Wars. But, I don't know. I love the story. And I know you said that, too, about, you know, the story captivated you. And I was never really into the sci-fi or anything until Star Wars. Like, I remember as a kid, we listened to Harry Potter on tape. But we had to stop because my sister got really freaked out. Which was kind of a bummer because I was really into it. And I read Harry Potter, like, later on as, like, a at 17 or 16 and I thought it was interesting but nothing has captivated me as much as Star Wars so my true love so it is the time of the week where we do our top three ratings um going a little bit less dirty this week uh it is the top three Star Wars foods I guess that yum, you'd like yum, to yum. eat. I don't know. I this this involved me doing a very deep dive into the Wikipedia and <laughs> just marveling at the number of entries for things that have like one mention in one book in one line, but there's an entry for it because it's. The Star Wars Wikipedia, and that's how it works. 
I know. I almost hated how everything was almost everything was considered legends. Like I think I at least found I found like two things that were considered legends. And spoiler alert, I have one of them that has a recipe with it too. So I'm making you make this. So okay, well, mine are mostly from legends, but hell yeah, I can't wait to hear them. Am I going first? Yeah. <laughs> okay. First one was. <laughs> Deep fried gorg, which gorgs, I guess, are this sort of like frog looking thing. Um, we see like huts eat them, I guess, like live or or at least raw, but they also sell them deep fried. And they just they basically they just look like deep fried frog. And I will eat anything if it's deep fried. And I've had frog legs and they're tasty, so I decided that I would eat that. Um, dude, yeah. Number two, number two is such a cheat, but I'm keeping it anyway. Um, and that's um blue milk, which I guess is a drink, <laughs> not a food. But the reason that I picked it, and this is where I get really sappy and sentimental, is when I was little, I would have tea parties with my grandmother, and. Um, I didn't, I didn't drink tea because I was a little kid, so I would drink milk, but to make it special, my grandmother would put food coloring in it. Oh my god. So, I'd always, I'd always get to choose what color it was, and sometimes it would be pink, or sometimes it would be green, but a lot of the time it was blue. So, blue milk, totally, that's why. Because I'm oh a big god. sap. That's adorable, though. Tea parties? I used to have those with my stuffed animals, but it was always, like, pretend, so I never would drink anything. And I never, I never liked milk as a kid. Like, even now, like, I don't like milk. Like, I like milk products, like ice cream and shit, but I can't drink milk. It's weird, but that's so fucking cute. Yeah, we had... parties? Yes. Did you dress up, too? Oh, no, because this was just, like, we, I mean, I, my grandmother used to, used to babysit us a lot, and we used to have... Um, we called my, my, my grandmother Ima, which is actually m- mother, but it's just what everybody on, on my family called her. And so we, we used to, like, when we were Aww. kids, we each had a day of the week that was our Ima day, where we'd, oh like, God. go and, like, we'd do, you know, either, like, crafts or games. And she used to she used to read to me a lot. Um, we read all of the Laura Ingalls Wilder books and all of the Winnie the Pooh books. And stuff like that. But she had this little mini tea set, which was Peter Rabbit themed. And so we'd have that. Oh and so God. we'd have like colored milk and we'd, you know, just like, you know, like a couple of cookies or like raisins and nuts and just, you know, like things on mini plates. And we'd do that, I mean, every week for for years when I was a kid. Okay. Oh my God. Shifted out of the sappiness because my next one um, is Bantha Tartar, <laughs> which is mentioned in one of the books. Um, Bantha, like when I was going through, like there's a lot of Bantha stuff. There's like Bantha platter, Bantha steak, Bantha burgers. But as someone who really loved beef tartar, Bantha Tartar, <laughs> it's got to be exactly the same. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm not willing to to have it all be fried frog creatures or like salamander sticks which is another thing that was entered a lot so 
Bantha Tartar. What is a beef tartar? Like that's real? Yeah, it's just it's just like sliced really thin and raw. Oh shit. I didn't know that. That sounds interesting. I know. I I found so much Bantha shit too. And that made me really guilty because I like Banthas. Like, I think they're kind of cute, especially the little ones. So thinking about me eating a Bantha, I'm like, oh. I don't know. Star I, mean, Wars I think I eat all sorts of things that are cute. I eat lamb chops. Lambs are freaking adorable. Ooh, yeah, I know. I don't think I've ever had a lamb chop. Sounds good. Like, I'm a pretty big meat person. Like, I tell everyone all the time that I love meat. And then they take it the wrong way, so it's always awkward. <laughs> but I really do. Like, I love meat, all meat products. Like, I love Mexican food, like, you know, carne asada, you know. Um, I love steak. So does my cat. My cat gets really excited when it's steak night. And he, like, he hibernates a lot. And whenever he smells my dad cooking the steak, he, like, comes out and he, like, hops on the table. And he starts, like, head knocking everyone and trying to get food. So it's really cute. But, yeah, hell yeah, meat. Are you a big sushi person, too? Yes. Dude. Hell yeah. There aren't sushi people, a lot of sushi people in this world, which is really weird. Like, I, I have a really good sushi place near me, and I always find myself getting, my mom and I are really big sushi per- people, and everyone around us is like, ew, raw fish. And it's like, no, you don't understand. Like, they, they put a bunch of shit on it, and it's really good. But, anyways, um... My top three foods. Um, the first one is the ration bars. Um, they're basically survival food. It's what Luke was eating on Dagobah when Yoda was taking it. And he's like, mine, mine, mine. Yeah, they just look like sticks. I know, which, you know, like they kind of reminded me of cheese sticks, but they're not cheese. But, you know, like they're survival food, you know, like if you're traveling in an X-Wing for a long time, like you need something easy like that. So I'm I'm hoping that it tastes good. Like if it doesn't, then it doesn't. You know, it's survival food. Like hopefully. I don't know. I keep my I hopes up high. And my second choice was a Bantha platter. And. <laughs> There was a quote that came with it, too. It says it comes with it. It, is, it costs two credits and it came with fixins and salamander sticks. So it's basically like coming with like French fries and like potatoes or something or like another side. What is something else you can get with like meat? Like you get French fries or like a cabbage or something. So I'm assuming it's like cabbage or some shit. And then the salamander sticks are like French fries. So it's like you're getting the steak and fries. And I don't know. I think bantha would taste good. Like it would have like a distinct taste. Like it wouldn't taste like chicken or or like probably something like prime rib. Like bantha probably because it's so big. Like it's very juicy meat. And my very last, my number one is a wookie ookie, which in canon it's called a wookie cookie. And it is flat, yellow, and round. And it was included in the Force Awakens Lego game. Like, Han Solo was like, here, Chewie, have a Wookiee cookie. But it was also in the Star Wars Holiday Special. I believe Chewie's son was, like, munching on them. And someone, I forget who, like, they they 
have a Star Wars cookbook and they included Wookiee So I'm going to read off the ingredients right now and I'll send them to you because you should make everyone some for Star Wars or for um, New York Comic Con. I think it'd be really funny. All right. Ingredients are two and one fourth cups of all purpose flour, one teaspoon of baking soda, one teaspoon of salt, one teaspoon of ground cinnamon, one cup of unsalted room temperature butter, one cup of packed sugar, brown sugar, two large cups, or no, two large eggs, half a te- tablespoon, or sorry, teaspoon of vanilla extract, one cup of milk chocolate chips, and one cup of semi-sweet chocolate chips. So I'm making you make that for everyone, because I know it's going to be good. <laughs> Sweetie, that's just chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're wookie-ookies. Like, that's kind of my cheat one also, but... Everyone likes cookies, just, you know? Like... They're just chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> well, no, they're, they're, they're not. They're, they're wookie cookies. They're, but the thing is, is that they're supposed to be flat, yellow, and round. That's a lot of chocolate chips. Maybe they're like... I don't know, but <laughs> why am I just realizing this now that this is basically just chocolate chips? I'm a horrible human being, but yeah, basically you need to make everyone chocolate chip cookies and just say that they're wookie cookies. <laughs> I do have some Star Wars cookie cutters. Ooh, yeah, that'd make it perfect. I, I use them to make gingerbread cookies. Oh, man, I love gingerbread cookies. Do you ever make, like, gingerbread houses when you were a kid? Yeah, a couple of times. Never particularly successfully. I know, like, you would always get, like, halfway there and you just eat everything. Or that was that just me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I know, I'm a big, like... I, I love, like, the frosting and, like, the gingerbread and I would just, like, get all the frosting and then I'd be, like, halfway done and it'd be like, fuck it, I'm hungry. <laughs> And then dinner would come along, and it'd be like, uh, sugar high. Alrighty, so that's the top three this week. Um, I do, I do encourage looking at the the Wikipedia article on food, just because some of the stuff is ridiculous. Some of the stuff, obviously, people have taken no effort with whatsoever, and it'll just be like flapjacks, except it'll have like a Star Wars species in front of it. <laughs> And it's it's pretty lazy, but highly amusing. But if you have any suggestions for stuff that we should rank, um, email us at cantobitepod at gmail.com or send us a message on Twitter, which is also cantobitepod. Um, you can also... Send us any other questions or Star Wars thoughts that way. Um, we don't have any reader, I mean, listener email this week. Because, I mean, look, at the point that we're recording this, we don't have any listeners yet. Because we haven't put up the first couple of episodes. And I felt weird keeping, like, asking Tom to send us questions when the podcast hasn't <laughs> technically premiered. So this week, no reader email. But there will be in the future, so email us. Again, it's cantobitepod at gmail.com. 
Hell yeah. Send us emails. We love getting emails from you guys, and it, it means a lot. So thank you for everyone that has been sending us emails. You rock. We love you. And you can also... Um, we have an Instagram page too. It's Canto Bite Pod, and you could also like message us um, emails too if you'd like, or you can message our Twitter, our Canto Bite Pod Twitter. So you can email, message. Yeah, anything is great. No, no voicemails yet, but eventually, hopefully, voicemail. <laughs> I'd love to hear Ollie send us some voicemails. He is the king. Of voicemails. Yeah, we're just gonna um, we're gonna put a time limit on him. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Ollie. Yes, we love you. Thank you for giving me Game of Thrones spoilers. You rock. <laughs> so, Brittany, where can people find you? All right, you can find me on Twitter at Canto Brit. You can also find me on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger, Brittany with an I, the Ginger. My name is spelt weird. I'm sorry. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. My name my name is different and I'm different. So fuck yeah. But yeah, there aren't a lot of Britneys with an I. So I'm one of them. And yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. No. Um, <laughs> what about you, Emily? I am on Twitter at EFLIND. That's at E-F-L-I-N-D. It's actually the same that I'm on Instagram. I don't I don't post much to Instagram. I, I check it a lot, so I will see everybody's pictures. So if you want to follow me, I'll follow you back and look at like pictures of your dog or whatever. But I'm, I'm just really bad at, at taking pictures, so mostly I'm active on Twitter. But, Brittany... Thank you for joining me, as always. Um, thank you to anybody who has listened to this. We love you. Thanks for taking time out of your lives to listen to yet another Star Wars podcast. I hope that you enjoy it and that you enjoy us. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.